Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. It's time for the High Altitude Mentorship Show with J.T. DeVolt. J.T. is an international success coach, inspirational speaker, and award-winning author of Flight Plan to Success. J.T. worked his way up through the ranks from enlisted aircraft mechanic to combat-decorated naval aviator. And he's here to give you the success strategies for better focus, clarity, and mental toughness to accomplish your missions in business and life. And now, here's your host, J.T. Hello, my friends. JT DeBolts with you today for the High Altitude Mentorship Show. Great to be with you on a Wednesday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And you know what that means. It's time to come together and talk about leadership, entrepreneurship, and living a high-performance, high-altitude life. And as always, the High Altitude Mentorship Show is brought to you by flywithjt.com. That's flywithjt.com, where you can download a complimentary copy of my award-winning book, Flight Plan to Success. And stay connected to everything we're doing here in the High Altitude community. Lots of cool stuff coming down the road, so make sure you get connected to us over at flywithjt.com. Now, today, big day, September 7th. It's a very special day for me personally. Hopefully for you on some level it's a special day, but for me, this marks the anniversary of something that I work very hard for. On September 7th, 2001, 15 years ago today, I graduated U.S. Navy Flight School, and I earned my wings of gold and was designated a U.S. Naval Aviator. Now, this was a very hard-fought dream. Most people in my life, including the U.S. Navy, told me I would never make it. I enlisted in the Navy right out of high school. It was a dream that I'd always had to not just be in the Navy, but to fly as a U.S. Navy pilot, specifically as a Blue Angel. If you guys have ever seen the Blue Angels, you know what I'm talking about. Pretty dynamic, amazing stuff. And that was what that was the hallmark for me. That was that to me was like the big dream. That's what I was shooting at. But growing up, I had people in my life, people of influence that would tell me repeatedly that I was never going to make it as a Navy pilot or let alone as a naval officer. You see, I was a terrible student in high school. I was diagnosed with ADD as a very young boy. And uh, I grew up with most people telling me, you know, you'll never get into college, which was a prerequisite for becoming an officer, which was a prerequisite for going off to flight school. And even when I enlisted in the Navy right out of high school, uh, I, I, I applied six different times to become an officer to go off to flight school. And all six times, all six times, the U.S. Navy turned me down. And it's frustrating, you know, when, you, you, when you've got a big dream that means the world to you, and you think the world's against you, at least that's what it feels like, it's very difficult to persevere and push through. But I have to tell you that that I did make it, um, and this dream was so important to me that it was more than a goal. I'm not a big goal-setting fan. I, I think you can set goals, but I'm a bigger fan of achieving goals. And I'll talk a little bit about that philosophy here in just a moment. But to me, I, I had made it my life mission. You know, This was everything to me. And it was fortunate because not the whole, you know, the whole world wasn't against me. I did have some people that were there 
to support me. And there were two very important people. My stepmother, Pam, she was there for me because, you know, she raised, she helped raise me. She and my dad were married, obviously. And, uh, you know, she was with me every day and she pointed me in the right direction, kept me moving. My granddad, who was my dad's father, flew B-17s in World War II, bomber, bomber pilot over in the European theater. And so I really found my love for aviation through him and through the stories and all the things he shared with me. He's a huge influence in my life. My mother's father, my grandpa Gene, he was actually a chief petty officer in the United States Navy. In fact, he was on Pearl Harbor the morning it was attacked, um, December 7th, 1941. And what's crazy about that is that I remember him telling me stories about that day. And so there was something about the naval heritage and the, the aviation draw that kind of brought me into that you know, window to really want to be a Navy pilot. But like I said, I applied several times to become an officer. The Navy turned me down. I finally had to get out of the Navy after my commitment was up, my contract was up. I went back to school. I earned my degree got into, uh, you know, got into flight school, became an officer and went off and, and got my wings on September 7th, 2001, 15 years ago today. So I share that with you because it's, it's kind of brought me full circle to where I am today. Um, you know, a big part of what I do now as a business coach, as a speaker, and as a mentor to people who are out, you know, coming up in the world I, I have found so much strength and so much inspiration from the, the road that I had to travel. And one thing that if I could share with anybody, especially people making transitions, if you're a transitioning veteran like I was, uh, if you're somebody who's moving out of some sort of a job or a, or a career that you don't love and you're looking for that thing that you do love, or maybe it's a, a lifestyle transition. You know, you're finally tired of being sick or, or unhealthy or whatever it is, and you're, and you're putting that hard work in front of you to turn yourself into that, that, that healthy person you want to be. It's tough, right? And it can be very challenging. It can be one of those things that, that makes us feel, you know, like we're on the path alone. So I want to give you just kind of seven insights from achieving a lifelong dream that I learned as I reflect on this today, the 15th anniversary of me accomplishing my lifelong dream. The first one is that it's a lot of work. <laughs> I guess, you know, it kind of goes without saying. And I think a lot of people probably are like, yeah, no duh, right? I mean, obviously, when you go out and you set yourself on the path to do something significant in your life, whether it's, you know, starting a business, writing a book, uh, raising a family, whatever the, and it might be a career. You know, you, you know that you want something like I did. I wanted to be a Navy pilot. So you put yourself in line to accomplish that career. Those important missions are never easy. And really the big ones take time. They take patience. They take faith and belief. Not just faith overall, but I'm, I'm talking specifically faith in yourself, faith in your mission, faith in your why. You know, why are you doing this? I remember going through flight school and there was a huge attrition rate. And a lot of that attrition, I believe, was due to, to guys watching too many movies, you know, wanting to be heroes, wanting to be Tom Cruise with, the, with their slick sunglasses playing volleyball on the beach. They didn't have a strong enough why because when the real work came down, and flight school can be brutal, you know, when that reality slapped them in the face like a cold, cold rag in, you know, in the middle of the night, it's difficult to wake yourself up and say, okay, I'm going to keep going on this path. You know, when, when you sort of the, the, the hangover of excitement is, is, has hit you and you realize just how hard the dream is, you have to have a very strong, solid why behind it. And so it's a lot of work. I, I think one of the most important insights we have to take away from this is you can have big dreams, you can have big goals in life, but 
you have to understand that the bigger the goal, the bigger the dream, the more significant, there's going to be a ton of work. And in the microwave society that we live in, unfortunately, there's a lot of entitlement. People think it's just going to be handed to them. That sets you up. That's a recipe for, dis- for disaster and disappointment. And so it's so important to understand right off, the, right off the bat that it's going to be a lot of work. You might get your ass kicked a few times. You might get knocked in the dirt several times. You're going to have to get up with a bruised butt and get back in the saddle, and it's going to hurt. But it's worth it. And I think that's the, the, the second insight that I want to share with you today is that it is absolutely worth it. It's worth going after your dream. It's worth sacrificing. It's worth being in pain. It's worth being ridiculed at times. I certainly was. I mean, I remember after about the third or fourth time of applying, a lot of my buds in the Navy were like, dude, give it up, man. I mean, like, how many times does the Navy, the Navy's telling you no. And listen, the voice in the back of my head was telling me, this is ridiculous. I was very fortunate because I had a division officer by the name of Lieutenant Jamie Counter. And and Lieutenant Counter was my champion. You know, he championed my cause. He kept pushing my my packages. The You know, you, you apply, you put all your packages together with your test scores, SAT scores, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he kept pushing that package up the, up the chain of command and championing my cause. And it didn't happen, but he never gave up on me. And I thought that was important because he told me it's worth it. You know, just know that even as your sanity starts to wear away, <laughs> even as it starts to, you know, kind of grind against what seems like impossible odds, sticking in is going to be so worth it. If you've got that big lifelong dream and it hasn't happened, I don't care how old you are, it's still out there for you. And the most important thing that I think kept me going was I was in it for more than just the result. I knew that there was something that it, it, was, it was making me into a better person, this journey. And that's a very important thing to remember is that it's worth it. And sometimes it's more than just the result of succeeding, more than just accomplishing the mission itself. Sometimes uh, the, the, the best gift is who you become as a person at the character level, at the core who you become as a result of that journey. One of my favorite personal philosophers, business philosophers by a name of uh, a man by the name of Jim Rohn, he said that he's like, become a millionaire, not for the million bucks, but because of what it makes of you to become a millionaire. There's a lot that goes into that. And I think that's important. You can, you can take and substitute the word millionaire for whatever your dream is. If you want to be a millionaire, great. You know, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, if you want to be a world-class parent or spouse, whatever that thing is, don't do it for the result. Don't do it for the title. Don't do it for the accolades. But rather do it for what it makes of you, what you have to become in order to achieve it. The third big insight, I guess, from achieving my lifelong dream was that people are going to doubt you. They always will. There will always be those people that doubt. And one of the most damaging behaviors we can have is to be too concerned about what other people think. One thing that I despise about social media, I think social media is great for a lot of things, but it has a tendency to give us a false window to the world. We are looking at the world through, I guess, a a faulty lens, and we need to calibrate that a little bit. And the only calibration we can make is in our own minds to realize that we're only being shown a small fraction of reality. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm sure your friends are out there showing you pictures of their trips and their vacations and their new cars, and it's all real. But... It's not the full story. People are going to doubt you and reject you. And this need to constantly be looking at other people's lives and comparing ourselves against them is the first of the collapse of of our own dreams. The first step. 
we have to ignore that stuff. We have to realize that as we start to seek other people's attention or seek other people's, you know, acceptance, it's poison for the soul. I'm not saying it's not important when somebody worthwhile says, hey, I believe in you. That's definitely important, and we'll talk about that. What I'm talking about is constantly seeking the approval of other people. I was. I know I certainly was. I knew that the day I got my wings pinned on, there were certain people that I wanted to acknowledge me and say, man, that was great, and they did not. <laughs> but what was amazing about it is there was some transformation that happened. It was, it was a little bit like you know, the butterfly coming out of the cocoon. I realized I didn't really need that because I had done what most of them, including those people, said I couldn't do. And people are going to doubt you every single step of the way. They're going to reject you. They're going to they're going to tell you it can't be done. It's your job as the captain of your destiny to ignore that stuff and to realize that it's part of the test. I literally believe that it's part of the test. The more people doubt you, it seems to be more of an indication of that what you're doing is important, that it's significant and that you should keep pushing. So just know that. Uh, the fourth insight that I want to share with you is that you're going to doubt yourself at times. You're going to doubt. You're not just going to doubt yourself. You're going to doubt the dream. You're going to doubt the process. You know, after four or five rejections, I wasn't even done yet. I thought I was done. I thought it can't get worse than this. And I started to go down that victim path where I was like, this isn't fair. You know, the Navy doesn't want me to succeed. And I didn't stay there for very long, but I just, you know, I mean, I, I was a kid. I was growing up, you know, a teenage kid, uh, early 20s. And I wasn't quite there yet where I believed in myself. I wasn't quite there yet where I believed in the dream. So it was easy to kind of go down that path and start pointing fingers and pointing blame and saying, oh, it's not fair. But you have to understand that, you know, at times that is part of the process too. And again, just like not listening to others who doubt you, don't listen to your own doubts. Don't listen to it. Instead, you got to remember why you're here. you got to develop a belief system, not just in, hey, this dream's worthwhile and, and I deserve it to be successful and I deserve to have this dream happen to me. But you have to absolutely believe that you have what it takes. It's your dream. And you have to develop that belief as quickly as you can and as solidly as you can. Not just some sort of you know, deck of cards belief in yourself, but a true, authentic, deep down core belief. So important. I believe that's one of the most important gifts we can give our kids. If you're fortunate enough to be a parent, it's not about how much money you leave them. It's not about building assets. It's not about sending them to a great college. That stuff's fine, but it's window dressing. It's literally not as important as developing in them a true sense of self-worth, self-belief, and self-love. If you can develop those three things in a kid, you have done an exceptional job as a parent and, and given the, the world a gift, given the world the gift of an outstanding human being. doesn't matter what they grow up to do. If they grow up to scrape gum off the sidewalk or they grow up to be the person that you know finds a cure for cancer, at the end of the day, if you can develop that sense of true belief in yourself, love, gratitude for yourself, all those things, then you have created a, a beautiful human being. So don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself as well. Now, the fifth big takeaway from achieving a lifelong dream is that you cannot do it alone. I say this to my clients all the time. Success is a team sport, right? It's not just a team sport, but it's a full contact sport. And the bigger your dream, there is going to be a lot of full contact. You're going to get knocked on your ass more times than you can count. That's why it's so important to have those, those high-altitude people in your life that can help you, lift you up, guide you. Like I told you, I had Lieutenant Jamie Counter. He championed my cause. I can't tell you how many times he kept pushing that ahead. And I thought, man, I, this isn't supposed to happen. 
my granddad, my stepmom. I mean, I had a lot of people in my life that believed in me and, and, and helped me get, get through those hurdles and ultimately achieve the dream. But it's just so important as leaders, we have to understand that it's okay to ask for help. It is not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's a sign of strength. It's also a sign of, of maturity. I think it's a sign of emotional maturity as much as mental maturity to be able to ask for help. Not at the first sign of struggle necessarily and not certainly at the first sign of resistance. We have to find that strength within ourselves. But we have to constantly surround ourselves with amazing people that can help push us and get us to that next level. It's so critically important. Now, the sixth insight that I took away from achieving a lifelong dream is that it may turn out differently than you had planned. <laughs> and here's, here's my story on this. So I grew up wanting to be a Navy pilot. Check, you know, check that box, I made it. But specifically, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I wanted to fly F-14 Tomcats. I wanted to get selected to go to uh, Top Gun and be a Top Gun pilot and then go off and be a Blue Angel. And then from being a Blue Angel, I wanted to go to uh, go back to Top Gun and be an instructor and then go to um, uh, test pilot school and then eventually go command the space shuttle. I had my whole life mapped out. And I, I know that's rare. Not everybody has that crystal clarity about them, but I did. I knew that's exactly the path I wanted to go. And the whole thing came crashing down for me when I got selected to fly surveillance and reconnaissance. I flew the P-3 Orion, which is a big uh, four-engine turboprop aircraft. Now, What's crazy about this is at the time it felt like a death sentence. It was a crushing blow. I was ranked very high in my class. I mean, I was definitely in there. I had the, quote, jet grades. You know, they base your what you get to fly in the Navy based on, number one, what the Navy needs, not what you want, and number two, your grades. And so I had the grades, but the Navy didn't need fighter pilots. They didn't need pilots that time. So uh, it was me and, and one other guy got to fly P3s. Two guys got to fly jets, and everybody else was flying helicopters. So... It was disappointing, to say the least, because literally in that one moment, my whole career was decided. I was never going to fly, never going to go to Top Gun. That's a fighter jet position. Never going to fly with the Blue Angels. That's a fighter jet position. Uh, I could have gone to test pilot school, but at that point, I had sort of rearranged my priorities. And what was interesting about it is it took me a long time. If I'm being really honest, it took me a long time to fall in love with the mission that I was flying and to feel that I hadn't let myself down, hadn't let my country down. I had a, lot, a tremendous amount of guilt over not making jets. And it took me a very long time to find that, you know, true appreciation for what I was doing. And I remember one night we were flying a, uh, a surveillance and reconnaissance mission in support of a SEAL team. And we were flying over Afghanistan. They were down in the weeds, down in the grass for like two weeks. And this was going to be the final night of their mission. And we, our job was to be the eye in the sky for them and to communicate. We had one of their um, uh, SEAL commanders that was like a lieutenant in the Navy on board the flight with us that night. And he was kind of there to be a liaison. And we flew the mission. I flew uh, in the left seat as one of the junior pilots. So I was in the, I was literally flying the plane almost the whole night. And, and, and I, and I was cool with that, but you know, usually we had a four pilot crew. Usually you only have three. Um, and on that particular night, for whatever reason, the aircraft commander had a lot of stuff going on in the back of the plane. So he wasn't up in the cockpit as much. So I sat in the plane almost all night. And I'll never forget this. We, we, we executed this mission where we were basically the eye in the sky. The SEALs go in. They just kick ass and take names on, on the bad guys. And our job was to kind of just be there for them. Mission accomplished. We fly home, and I'm kind of reflecting on it because over the radio, I could hear the fighter pilots that were you know, giving close air support to the SEALs, and they were you know, doing all the stuff that I had dreamed of doing. And I'm just kind of sitting up there feeling like all I'm doing is burning holes in the sky. 
and wondering, is this really worth it? Did I let my country down? Did I let myself down? And we land just after dawn. We shut down. It's been a long flight, like 12 hours, 10-hour flight, whatever. And I'll never forget this. The Navy SEAL said something to me that night, which I thought was amazing. He waited, and he shook hands with every member of my crew. And I was one of the last people to get off the plane, going through the post-flight checks up in the cockpit, shutting everything down. And he waited for me. And he stuck his hand out. He shook my hand. He said, hey, Lieutenant, just want to say thank you. You guys made a difference tonight. I appreciate that. And, and he got off the plane. I never saw him again. But it took somebody else pointing that out to me to really fully appreciate myself and to appreciate what, you know, what we were doing and to not miss the gift of accomplishing a dream. So sometimes your dream's going to go a little bit different than you had planned. And for me, one thing that was really cool is I met my wife, Mia. She was the navigator on my crew. So I got to fly missions with her. We've, you know, we developed a friendship based on teamwork first, and then eventually it turned into you know, a, a, a relationship where now we're married. We have two kids. We build a business together. And so it's amazing. I'm very grateful for that. And to this day, I feel like it was the real reason why I got selected to fly P3s instead of fighter jets. My point is, is that you might, your dream might turn out differently than you had planned it. Don't judge that. Don't throw it away. Don't think to yourself, man, this is a waste, because that's how I felt. I was depressed for a very long time. Uh, I was disappointed, and, and, I, and I don't think I hid that very well. I think I could have done a better job, been more professional, been more poised in some places. But, hey, you know, that's the benefit of 2020 and benefit of growing up a little bit. And this, the seventh and final insight that I would share with you about achieving a lifelong dream is that you better be ready for the next chapter, for what, what happens next, because there's a couple of things that can happen when you reach your success. Statistics show that about 94%, 92% of people who achieve or who set goals fail at them. That means 8% actually hit the goal. Now, what's interesting is about 4.8%, but almost 5% of those people who actually achieve a, you know, set a goal will achieve it and then be happy with it. Is that crazy or what? So if there's 100 people in the room and everybody sets goals, sets a big goal for themselves, a lifelong dream, 8 of those 100 are going to hit their goal and three of them are going to be disappointed when they get there. A big reason why they're disappointed is that it's not, it's not really their dream. They're chasing it because somebody else told them to. They're chasing some legacy father, grandfather, uncles were doing it. So they were doing it or they're just doing it for the glory or whatever it is, the money. If you really love what you do, then you better be ready for what happens next either taking that dream to that next level or moving into another avenue. I got, I got out of the Navy in 2008, September uh, 30th, 2008, so I got another anniversary coming up here pretty soon. And I started my own business. And I'm known in the industry as the mission accomplishment coach. So I help people define and accomplish their personal missions in business and life. I work with corporations, corporate teams. I work with entrepreneurs, athletes. It's high-performing people to go to that next level in their life. Because I firmly believe that when you're on purpose, when you love what you do, that you're a true asset and a true gift to the world. And so I put that out there to myself as this big, you know, to me it was a major calling in life. And I want that for you too. I want you to understand that when you have a major dream, a huge dream in your life, a lifelong dream that you're willing to commit to, something you're willing to almost die for, that it comes down to you having more than just the desire and the, and the want, you got to have the why and realize that, you know, there's going to be something on the back end of it. For me, it was the ability to take that dream and the lessons that I, that I got from going through an entire life of grinding and, and meeting resistance and never quitting 
to accomplishing the dream and not just accomplishing it, but having the privilege, the true privilege of serving with amazing men and women. That to me was the single best, single best part of the career. You know, it wasn't flying high performance equipment. It wasn't doing complex missions as much as it was working with amazing people, serving alongside some people that to this day I hold in high esteem. And so I share these insights with you because if you're out there achieving a big lifelong dream, these are things you're going to need to know. These are things that will make the difference and move the needle for you. I believe you can do it. I believe it's your responsibility and it's also your birthright. So get out there today and every single day and pursue your dream with passion, pursue your dream with purpose, and pursue your dream with a belief, not just in the dream itself, but a belief in yourself. My friends, this show is a wrap. It's my privilege to come at you here on the High Altitude Mentorship Show each and every single Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Get yourself over to flywithjt.com and download a complimentary copy of Flight Plan to Success. And remember, no matter what course you fly in life, fly high, fly fast, and fly far. We'll talk to you soon. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.